Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Yeah, yeah, that's just how it works. They don't pay out on suicides. Yeah, yeah, insurance companies never pay out on suicides. Oh, what a bunch of pricks. So I mean, they want to discourage behavior like the man who shot himself to try to save his farm. Yeah, but... At the same time, the family is going through a lot. Yeah. You know. That is true. So, but that's one nice story about Donald Trump. (laughs) He saved. I mean, he didn't save the guy from killing himself. No. They should have called him earlier. (laughs) Don't you think? Before the the guy killed himself. Too little, too late. Yeah, that's fine. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. No guests. No. Just me and Mr. Parks. That's right. Parks, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Ben? I'm good. My God. All right. So we got the Ablegan's Top Hat Facebook page. Go check it out. It's full of some really fun activity. I got a direct message from two people that take care of the uh, monitoring the site. Mm-hmm. Our little police officers. <laughs> our little our little kindly constables <laughs> who check over the Ablegan's Top Hat Facebook page site. They sent me a picture of, uh, of a gun, and it had the words uh, Jeb Bush on there. Uh-huh. And it was posted by somebody and they said should we take this down should we ban this person who posted this image of a gun with the name jeb bush on it is it a threat against jeb bush and i said no colombo <laughs> it's an actual tweet from jeb bush america and it just says america period for some reason i don't know what it was monday or tuesday on twitter everyone was just posting america and then random things that we're supposed to be proud of about our country but for the most part it made me think i want to go to canada (laughs) it was a strange day for twitter there's no doubt about that but that's how crazy our election cycle has begun and these are like you know these are fans from last podcast on the left yeah and we're looking at american politics people who are theoretically going to be the next president of the united states and they're like are they going too far? Like, we're doing, we're working on a three-part or a four-part or about a guy named Dean Coral who kills children, and no one has a problem. <laughs> but Jeb Bush tweets out such insane things that even our fans, who are some of the most hardcore sadistic people on the face of the planet, are like, is it too, is it real? Is it too real? We got to ban him, and we should ban Jeb. Yeah, and of course, it comes on the heels of this whole JebBush.com fiasco. Oh, my God. Amazing. And it is it is a fiasco. This, this will go down. Jeb Bush's campaign, I think, will be taught in political science courses for the next 100 years 
about as far as campaign meltdowns yeah, go. Yeah, what not to do 101. Yeah, what not to do, what it looks like when a campaign completely and totally melts down. What the story is, yeah. that of course, when a uh, person even considers a presidential run, if it even starts coming out like, you know, like Michael Bloomberg, where it's like, I'm having an exploratory commission, I'm trying to see, mm-hmm. the first thing that your team is supposed to do is go out and buy up every domain name that is even closely re- only, related to your name. Yeah, not only do you buy every domain name that's closely related to your name, you buy every domain name that, is, that will be used as an insult against you. Yes. So you buy Jeb Bush as a big fat piece of crap. <laughs> you know, you you literally, you buy every single domain name that has your name in it and then next to a slur. <laughs> that's how many you buy. You just do a grab of about, what do you think, 150, 200 domain names? Easily. Tops. And even then, people will be able to find new ways to get in there. Easily. And some of those dona- domain names are going to be expensive. Some right. people that own those domain names, that's, some people make an entire business out of that. Yes. Is they will go up, they will they, they will think about, uh, you know, possibly in the future what might happen. They'll buy up the domain name, and then when that person mm-hmm. or that company goes and tries to buy it, they sell it to them for an extremely high amount of money. But and, you'd think that Jeb Bush, at mm-hmm. the very least, with all of his super PAC money, would have shelled out the money for JebBush.com. Right. So JebBush.com, and uh, JebBush.com was obviously not bought by Jeb. It was stolen by a Trumper. So if you go to JebBush.com, it redirects to a Donald Trump site that, uh, you know, basically openly mocks Jeb Bush for not owning his own website. <laughs> but it happens mostly, you know where it happens? Uh, it's most common in uh, athletes. Yeah. So you have these scouts who see kids who are six foot seven. They ask what their name is. They go to the internet and they buy their name.com because they bet on the kid hopefully making it to the pros one day. And then the kid's agent has to come and grovel for the person's identity online. And then the person sells it for a high price. I did not know that. Mostly happens with sports. Wow. But Jeb Bush, his official site wasn't JebBush.com. Up until recently, JebBush.com was just a blank page. Mm. Uh, but Jeb- It actually might have been his official site. <laughs> if it was a blank page, I think that is the official site of Jeb Bush's presidential campaign. Yeah, his official, uh, twi- his official website is Jeb2016, and that's on brand for him. Jeb! 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 <laughs> Don't forget about Jeb! Jeb! Yeah. <laughs> that's it. My God. Yeah. Let's let's have a campaign slogan where it sounds like my mother's calling me because I'm late for dinner. <laughs> Jeb! <laughs> Good Lord, what a lunatic. It's the worst campaign in presidential politic history from somebody who is perceived to be a front runner. Yeah. He was he was gonna be the guy. And Donald Trump is just beating him in every possible way, and it's embarrassing, and it's, uh, you know, it's just phenomenal. I mean, you've got this, you've got please clap. Did you see when he was uh when the Rotary Club cut him off at uh, a speech like he was doing a speech at a rotary club yeah. in new hampshire uh and they kicked him off stage he, he was, was right in the middle of a sentence and someone uh, over on the side of the stage gave him like a wrap-up yeah uh, and jeb bush you is that it i'm up they're kicking me off they're kicking me off he bored the rotary club <laughs> i didn't think it was possible Yeah, and the rotary club came back and said like yeah you know trying to save a little bit of face for jeb he's like well i know jeb i know your schedule is you know very tight i know you have to get to uh, mm-hmm. another meeting but uh jeb bush does not leave the rotary club meeting he goes sits down at his assigned seat yeah. and starts eating dessert oh well good for him i love to watch jeb eat dessert <laughs> He's very good. 
Oh, my Lord. What a disgusting kind of guy he is. A lot of, what is it, a moose? He probably likes a good moose. He's <laughs> like a chocolate moose <laughs> kind of guy. Moose. Yeah. You know, because it, it it is it's sweet, but it's not too sweet. <laughs> I don't, don't want to go too nuts. He doesn't want to go crazy, but he did bring out, in South Carolina, he's bringing out the big guns, which means uh, he's ready to wrap up his campaign. This is his Hail Mary pass. We don't know if he has a uh, Doug Flutie Boston College moment in him. Um I don't think that he does. No. Aaron Rodgers also had some great Harold Larry passes this year in the old NFL. Yes, he did. We saw that in the playoffs against the Lions. It was one of the greatest moments of my life, but then I think inevitably they lost the game or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Whatever. That was the playoffs. For football, Hail Mary, Jeb, uh, Jeb Bush is uh, pulling it out right now. He brought W with him on uh, to stump in South Carolina, and Donald Trump just attacked W in ways that the left were just thrilled about. Yeah. He just completely blamed 9-11 on George W. Bush, and he brought in Jeb Bush's history with the uh, uh, being governor of Florida at the time. The terrorists trained in his home state. Yeah. And so for him to come out and talk about how his brother made America safe, which obviously the worst domestic terrorism on earth in the history of the country occurred under their watch, and September 12, 2001, W was bragging about how safe we uh, he made us as a country. Well, the bodies are still smoldering uh, down in uh, in the Wall Street area here in Manhattan, which is just insane. Yeah. We see the buildings coming down, and as they're coming down, W is like, but I was reading one hell of a book to those kids. <laughs> I was crushing it. Three days before that, those terrorists were hanging out uh, in Florida, learning how to fly, but not learning how to land, yeah. which is a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was under Jeb Bush's watch. Exactly. Both of the Bushes. Yeah, both of the Bushes. All of this shit happened under the Bushes. And so, that, that to me, is just, it, it is insane that Jeb Bush thought that he could get away with saying that George W. Bush kept America safe. Granted, there were no terrorist attacks. Well, no. What about the anthrax attacks that came afterwards? That came not too long after September 11th. People tend to forget about the anthrax attacks. They were just getting mailed everywhere. Yeah, they were getting mailed everywhere. And he did not. He was in. How long had he been? He been in office nine months when yeah, September new. 11th happened. He had. Of course, we all know he had the the famous memo: "Bin Laden determined to attack U.S. Come across his." But desk. that was known for years. That was known throughout the 90s. Uh, Bill Clinton should have put a bullet in. Uh, Osama bin Laden's head. Everyone is complicit in it. He, everyone is complicit, but you can't say that George W. Bush kept us safe during his tenure. No, by definition, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, but you know, Donald Trump also, being somebody who was not in political life, he did write a book saying, I'd kill Osama bin Laden. He said that in 2000. So now mm-hmm. he can go back and be like, look at my book. Look <laughs> at my book. I would have kept America safe on 2000, uh, 9-11, 2001. There's no doubt about it. I wrote it down in a book. Yeah, I would have kept America safe. I wouldn't even have to be making America great again if I would have kept it safe. That's right. So it's amazing to watch him just throw, lob, very liberal complaints against the Bush family that you never thought you would hear a Republican say. So, I mean, that's why I don't believe that Donald Trump, he's not a true Republican by any standards. He's his own bizarre, independent, uh, what is it, what's a mega something? Megalomaniac? Yeah, let's do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't really think there are any true Republicans in the race anyway, except for maybe John Kasich. Kasich is looking good. We'll see if he got any bump whatsoever. I think he has the, um, if if, Jeb, if Jeb gets out, 
Marco will probably take uh, a lot of the people who are supporting Jeb right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kasich gets a little bit of an overflow. If you really listen to John Kasich, he actually surprisingly sounds quite a bit like W did in 2000 when he was just running as a compassionate conservative uh, with education uh, as the number one issue on his platform. Yeah. So I could see Kasich doing fairly well in some states such as uh, Nevada. He doesn't do anything in South Carolina, but he's got like Michigan, which is a big state, mm-hmm. Ohio. Ohio, obviously, Kasich will take. I think he's going to do well in the moderate Midwest for the Republican Party. And Jeb, if Jeb gets out, I think it would really, really help. Obviously, Marco and Kasich. Cruz is in a league all of his own. Mm. He's just another kind of lunatic, evangelical, in my opinion, a fringe candidate. But he has some fire in this election cycle solely because he is just as bombastic and he is actually more manipulative and uh, deceitful than Donald Trump because Donald That's Trump insane. just tells you everything he's thinking, <laughs> and I'm, he should just shut up. Yeah. But Ted Cruz keeps it close to his chest. And like I think I made the analogy earlier about how Donald Trump is the person who's making fun of Ted Cruz around a table. Meanwhile, Ted Cruz is the one who has poisoned his water. <laughs> and that's exactly, he's just, he's manipulative and maniacal and he's, a, he's an evil, evil man. Yeah, he's a Machia- he's Machiavellian, definitely. He, he really He is. read The Prince and took notes. All right, so let's. Uh, so that's what's happening. South Carolina will be this Saturday, February twentieth, for the uh, for the Republican Party. Uh, Nevada will be following, I believe, uh, February twenty third for the Republicans, and uh, I believe it's switched for the Democrats. I think they have Nevada uh, coming up this Saturday, and uh, and the twenty third is uh, is uh, South Carolina for them. But check those dates uh, for the Democratic side. Mm-hmm. South Carolina is definitely going to Donald Trump right now. If we have if the polls are any indication, and they were fairly accurate in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, although. Kasich got that massive bump. Nobody saw him coming in at two. I projected him for three, so yeah. I was very close. Yes, yes. I'll take close. Not bad. That's <laughs> what I always tell that story about how he used to play basketball, but I never made it. I never made the ball, never went through the hoop, but it would touch the rim. And my grandmother said that was good enough. <laughs> so John Kasich, John Kasich is good enough for my grandmother, and that's all that matters. You want that old Minnesota vote. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. where she's at. Ted Cruz in South Carolina right now. There's a little bit of controversy, this whole fake Facebook post thing. So what happened with that, Trey Gowdy has come out. He is uh, He's in love with Marco. He can't get enough of the guy. Can't get enough. Trey Gowdy, for those that don't know, he spearheads every single congressional hearing. He is the one. He's got a pointy nose. He is just a malicious. <laughs> he's a former prosecutor, I believe from Texas. Yeah. Uh, a former prosecutor, he is just, you can smell the Stetson. <laughs> He's the Benghazi guy. He's, He's the, oh my yeah. God. Don't even get him started on Benghazi. <laughs> Holy Christ. You want to ruin a first date, just have it with him and ask him about Benghazi. Uh, a nightmare. He came out in support of Marco Rubio. Ted Cruz used a very, uh, you know, new tactic in the world of social media, basically set up a fake uh, Facebook page and, and, uh, Asked Trey Gowdy and had Trey Gowdy fake apologize. Yeah, said that uh, the congressman uh, made a grave mistake by endorsing Rubio. The Facebook page. Grave mistake. Isn't this intense? We're going back to the days of Hamilton. I mean, someone's <laughs> going to get shot. Yeah, it said the, the now defunct Facebook page called Trey Gowdy Prayers. Uh, says the congressman made a grave mistake by endorsing Rubio. It said, it's official. I have changed my mind. My previous endorsement of Marco Rubio was a grave mistake. The recent South Carolina debate revealed 
with his total lack mm-hmm. of integrity, intellect, and foresight to all my Christian and conservative friends in South Carolina, I hereby formally endorse Ted Cruz. What was that, what was that whole thing in the Ten Commandments about not lying? <laughs> Thou shalt not bear false witness. Oh, is that it? <laughs> Ted Cruz seems to be doing an awful lot of that. Yeah, yeah, he's Cons- a big false witness yeah, guy. Even though he's such a nice born-again Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> and he said, of course, Ted Cruz says our campaign had absolutely nothing to do with this uh-huh. fraudulent Facebook post. Of course. This is the final, this is not the final stand for Cruz, but if he does get absolutely trounced in South Carolina, it'll be interesting to see what he, where his campaign goes, because this is his evangelical firewall. If, if um, Trump is able to get a majority or even 30% of the evangelical vote, which I am still astonished that they should, evangelicals for the longest time solely voted for fellow evangelicals. That's where they never got into office, yeah. except for W. Bush. So remember what happened after that. Uh, a nightmare. So, But it's unbelievable. So Trump is right now, I believe he's polling in some polls at 43%. Everyone, they would say Trump would get 20% in the election. They would be like, okay, that that's where he maxes out. 25%, that's where he maxes out. He's just breaking the barriers. He's breaking his own... Uh, Bizarre hair ceiling every single uh, primary and caucus. Yeah, he is, but especially in South Carolina, it'll be a big win for him if he gets it. Yeah, I mean, it just—I mean, it's just been the the thing that I've been saying again and again is that these evangelicals are more afraid of uh more afraid of the Browns than they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they 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 usually vote right with that evangelical. They usually vote right with the people that have their faith or at least profess their faith. But with Donald Trump, he can just be like, "Yeah, the Bible, I like it." And he then, likes it. It's the second it's the it's a it's it is the best book, but it's a close second. Yeah. <laughs> to uh to art of the deal. The art of the deal. Yeah. And, and so but but they're like, "Well, you know, good enough." Yeah, good enough. And as a matter of fact, Donald Trump, he, he, it is very serious now. You know it's serious. Barack Obama actually mentioned him by name. It is a little bit bizarre for a sitting president to get involved in any in either party primary politics. Uh, um, but he specifically called out Trump, said he was unfit to lead. Can you trust the guy with the nuclear codes, which I think are going to be the major um, concerns that people have when it comes to Trump? Because honestly, it's terrifying. Yeah. The idea of Trump with the new code, I mean, my God, you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe he has. Maybe he would never do it. But I really don't know. You just don't know. He has a shitty phone call with Putin, and all of a sudden Moscow's gone. Or no, but he wouldn't be Moscow. It would be some poor. It would be put poor. It would be like Yemen. It would be you know some poor <laughs> yeah. Syrian town. Yeah, you'd be like, I, I just killed your friend. <laughs> hey, Putin. You remember when you used to call Madal? Uh, you know, uh, Ahmad over there. I killed him. Yeah. So and Putin's like, why'd you do that? And then Putin's like, I'm taking out Alaska, so maybe it'll work. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a good thing if we have a nuclear war all of a sudden. So that's uh, it was very interesting that uh, that Barack Obama came out and just addressed Donald Trump by name. I don't know if it was a good decision or not because it also puts Trump on the on the same level, yeah, right as Barack Obama. Now we have a sitting president who's going to be leaving office with relatively high approval ratings. I think history will be uh, kind to Barack Obama. As a matter of fact, I think the president has been fairly kind to Barack Obama. He hasn't been under that much scrutiny, and uh, many of the things that we disagree disagree with uh, about Barack Obama are actually because we're a little bit more to the left of him, uh, specifically uh, specifically when it comes uh, to his foreign policy. So it's very fascinating for a sitting U.S. president to bring up a primary candidate. I think it actually elevated Trump to a level that made him look like a viable candidate. And the establishment's truly terrified. Mm -hmm. There's just no denying it. But uh, let's switch gears. Oh, and we have to talk. We will be talking about Antonin Scalia. 
yeah. briefly at the end. We'll see if, was it a conspiracy? <laughs> or was he just a fat 79-year-old Italian who ate salami for the past 90 years, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> 60 years? We'll say he started eating salami at 19. <laughs> Why not? I think it was probably that. I, it was definitely that, But yeah. he died in Texas. There's something wrong with the Texas Police Department. They never, they never pull off a good autopsy. No, they're not good at it. They're not good at it. No, no, no. I, I am surprised there wasn't an autopsy. But let's switch really quick uh, to the Democratic side, where immigra- uh, where Donald Trump talks about immigration. Uh, Bernie Sanders talks about the 99%, right? And both of these resonate with people under the premise that these are individuals who are stealing jobs, yeah. right? These are the reason that you don't have a job is because, you know, the 1% is stolen at Wall Street has taken my job. And the Republicans are like, immigrants have taken my jobs because God knows everyone grew up and they wanted to be a day farmer, <laughs> a day laborer. Yeah. Okay. And then you also have Trump when he talks about Muslims. This is Bernie Sanders talking about the 1%. You galvanize a large group of uh, of of the population against a, minor, a minority group of the population, and it's just a hell of a way uh, to have uh, Frankenstein's monster chased out of town. So this is where Bernie Sanders has really done a great job, a great job, and I am I have never been more wrong in my life. Yeah, about this, I cannot believe it, and I um, I, I love it. I mean. I'm I'm a very I'm a pro I, I want to see a Bernie Trump race. Just what the hell does that look like? And I think Bernie Sanders has ironically enough completely flipped the script. One of the cornerstones of the attacks that the Clinton campaign used against Bernie that was that he was unelectable. You can't go with him because you're throwing your vote away. In all the polls, Bernie is the only one that beats every single Republican. Marco comes the closest to him. Hillary loses to everyone. Even Trump? Even Trump. Whoa. That's how bad Hillary is. We can have a... Pr- if you vote for Hillary, you're almost voting for Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, she she echoes now uh, Bernie Sanders' entire campaign yeah. you know, rhetoric. So she talks about how her average donations are under $79 each, which is a fairly high number. Um, considering, you know, uh, Bernie's discussing twenty uh, $27 donations. She's pretending like she is this organic politician in the, in the same way that Bernie is. It's very similar to what happened with microbreweries. Budweiser just owns them all. Yeah. And so Budweiser, they make all their own microbreweries in, uh, you know, in St. Louis or whatever, wherever the hell they make them now. I think it's some, maybe it's in Switzerland. Yeah. I think Budweiser's over there. And they just put a small town label on them because they bought, you know, whatever. They have some a, a mailing address over there for it. And they pretend as if they're some small microbrewery. But in reality, they are the, they are. Uh, the largest, one of the largest beer, you know, makers on earth. And that's exactly what Hillary Clinton is. Hillary Clinton is a Budweiser microbrewery. She is the, she is the establishment. She is the entire, uh, she has more power than God uh, in the Democratic Party. And she's just pretending now that she's some young populist in the way that Bernie Sanders is. But it reads as unbelievably authentic because it is. Yeah. And that's the major problem. She has not been able to find a narrative for her campaign that works. And it's unbelievable because how many years now have they had to decide on one? They went right back to what she did in 2007 when they were when she was running against Barack Obama. And they just relied on the fact that she was a female president with the resume. And she was the one that you can trust because the person, her opponent, is somebody that's not to be not trusted. You know, at that point, Barack Obama was a one-term senator. Nobody knew him from Adam. Uh, her entire campaign, they said exactly what they were saying now about Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And it's just not resonating with the American people because her, her as Barack Obama was, yes, we can, Bernie Sanders echoes that. 
And he even says, I can't do it alone. Bernie Sanders is very much, you know, he has literally said the sentence, presidents can't change the world. We need to have a revolution. You have somebody like Donald Trump who was just like, I don't even care if you support me, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then we have someone like Hillary Clinton who is just, uh, no, we can't. Mm-hmm. She's a no, we can't candidate. Status quo is what needs to be maintained because the world's a scary and dangerous place. There is no inspiration, and that's why she is now neck and neck with Bernie Sanders in Nevada, which is a large union state, and everybody they just go by the math. Okay, so Hillary Clinton looked at Nevada. They're like, big union state. We're going to win Nevada. There's no doubt about it. Union people love Hillary. They just blanket put politics into uh, into such stupid pies, uh, you know, little pie charts, and they don't look at the human beings behind the numbers. These union people, the majority of them are fleeing. They are just, they're in love with Bernie. They're, they're going to Bernie in droves. She's neck and neck in Nevada. I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, Bernie speaks their language, and I think that's what it is. is that Bernie, he's just telling the truth. People don't, even if they don't agree with him, they think he's telling the truth. Yeah, exactly. People trust him almost immediately because uh, he has he's able to talk to just about anybody. And and Hillary Clinton uh, doesn't know how to talk to people. And Bernie Sanders, he's he's like one of those candidates where y- you really talk about. I mean, for example, Bill Clinton. People talk about Bill Clinton. They say one of the reasons why he's so magnetic on the campaign trail is because even though you might be in a room full of people, he makes you think like you're in a room alone with him. Yeah, you're a special one. Yeah, that you're a special one. And Bernie Sanders does that at a rally with thousands of people. Is that he yeah. can make he can connect? Well, you individually. know, it's funny. I actually I, I understand what you're saying. And I don't fully disagree with you, but I think he actually makes the collective come together as one whole. You think so? You know, Bernie, uh, Don, uh, Bill Clinton uh, is able to yes point out somebody in the crowd, look at him, give his little thumb, uh, which is also an indication to the Secret Service to grab that girl because he wants her uh, for after the show. Uh, Bill Clinton, every time he looks at a chick, it's very similar to Motley Crue when Vince Neil used to look at a gal and tell the security to bring her backstage. She had a whole series of horror stories, and if they were around today, Vince Neil would be tweeted at a lot yes. for some sexual <laughs> misconduct with some ladies backstage. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen posed that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country— including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's what, that's what Bill Clinton is able to do. Mm-hmm. Bernie makes everybody feel as if they're in one large mass collective. That's the revolution. Okay, that's yeah. the movement. No, I get you there. That's how he, and again, someone who openly says, I can't do this alone. My ideas are, my ideas, it's not that they're crazy. They are revolutionary by definition. Mm-hmm. And it would require an entire overhaul of the government as we know it. So, it, I mean, could anything actually get done? It would require people to not only vote for Bernie Sanders, It would. It, we would have to have what happened with the Tea Party in 2014, 2012, the Democratic Tea Party, as a matter of fact, I think Bill Clinton hinted, uh, hinted at this, the Democratic side to the Tea Party movement is in, is in the Bernie Sanders, that more of a, uh, of a left, leftist socialist idea. 
So if they can start to get in, if, if Bernie Sanders would get elected, it would take w- at least one election cycle before he was able to get in some uh, congressional leaders, some uh, some Senate seats that could actually help him propel his agenda because he's going to be going into the office with zero support. None. As Hillary brags about, not one senator uh, has supported him, and the uh, and the only two congressmen that have supported him is, uh, what was it, Elliot? Yeah. I believe. Or maybe that's not the right name. Either way, he's the first Muslim elected into the Congress. Right. Well, I think one thing that Bernie Sanders could bring up, and I think this, what he could really, this is a ballsy move, too, is that if Hillary Clinton brings that up, that, you know, not one senator has she endorsed him. It it's a huge thing. If, they, if, he brings, if she brings it up in a debate, then he could easily come back with, that's because they're terrified of you. Yeah. Because that you're the establishment you're the establishment politician. They're terrified that if they don't support you, that you are going to destroy them. That's a ballsy move, but he could come out with that. That could be his defense because that's why so many of murder are supporting her. And they're just, you know, they're hedging their bets that she's going to be the victor. That's why we already have 188 superdelegates who have pledged their support to Hillary Clinton before voting even began, which nobody seems to have a problem with that. It's completely insane. Yeah. But those people will be swayed if enough individuals go over to Bernie Sanders' side. Bernie, the onus is on him. He's going to have to get a massive amount. He's not only going to have to beat her. He's going to have to destroy her to the point where if she still gets the superdelegates on her side, there'll be a mutiny. That's the only way that he can do it. Because if it's 49, uh, 51, I mean... At the end of the day, a bunch of people are going to feel completely screwed, and the whispers and the murmurs will be there, and I'm sure some shouting as well, but it's just going to kind of go under the radar because there'll be enough support for Hillary at the end. Yeah. And the way that they do it, like we talked about in the last episode with the Democrats, every caucus and every primary is uh, is uh, proportional. So there is no way that... Uh, there's no way. I don't see how they don't go to a brokered convention. And those superdelegates are going to have to make a decision on the floor. And if they go to Hillary Clinton and Bernie has managed to win most of these primaries in a, uh, in a, in a heavy-handed way, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on the Democratic side. At the end of the day, Bernie could always run as an independent. Donald, And we talked about this with Travis Servite a few episodes ago. Donald Trump is hint, uh, hinting again that he will run as an independent because Ryan's Priebus and the Republicans aren't treating him with respect. No, because he says that they filled the last debate with lobbyists. They probably did. Yeah. And then he gets booed all the time because he calls them a bunch of jerk-offs and jackasses. (laughs) And sure enough, they don't like when they get called jerk-offs and jackasses, and they boo Donald Trump. So I still believe we could have a a four-way race where the next president of the United States wins the nomination with 26% of the vote. It would be amazing. We could even have a five-way race. We might even have Michael Bloomberg in there. No, get Bloomy out of there. No, I don't want Michael But who Bloomberg. does he take away from? Again, I, I think he takes more away from the left than he does the right. He but, definitely takes more away from you know. the left. Yeah, the, the right's fucking insane. But probably from Hillary, so that could be good. Yeah, it could be. But if he's take, yeah, if that's a five-way race, then Bloomberg is taking supporters away from Hillary. He's not yeah. taking them away from Bernie. And I do feel bad I, I actually I feel bad for Hillary as a candidate I, I think it's what they make a mistake the Clinton campaign they do a thing called layering with their staff so they don't fire anybody so uh, you know they'll, they'll their staff is just it grows and it grows and it grows as problems get worse and worse and worse they bring in the old guard the new guard gets layered to the outside they don't listen to them as much and they bring in their old pals and it's just not working whatsoever so they brought in some new friends uh, well, some old friends that brought them into the campaign, and I think right now they're just—they have too many cooks in the kitchen, and there's too many people telling her where to go, 
and for some reason she can't make a definitive decision on what narrative is is uh, she should stick with because they haven't found one that works. No. And that, but and she actually uh, it was proud of that the other day. What, uh, that she but, hasn't found a narrative that works because she she was saying that uh, yes, Bernie Sanders, uh, that he is a, a one issue candidate. She said this is not a one issue election, and so well, she's taking pride in the fact that she's all over the place. That she doesn't really have a specific message. That it's just hey, I'm going to make everything just a little bit better, maybe. Well, I mean, she makes a good point, but it's, the problem is. His issue is a very important issue in the minds of America, and they tie it to many other things. It ripples I mean, out. It ripples out. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, I think you can. they both have argued that it's an oligarchy, and they're both absolutely correct. Yes. So Bernie Sanders, he is the one who really drives it home that it's an oligarchy. I mean, those, that starting position that everybody agrees with, from there it trickles down into the economy, into foreign policy, into every single facet of our lives when it comes to how the government impedes and what we feel as if uh, our government has done wrong to us. Once we acknowledge that it's an oligarchy on the top, as Bernie Sanders wants to break down the big banks, he also wants to break down the powers, the small amount of powers that control everything. And Hillary Clinton, there is she wants to play with it. She wants to play in, in the world of the oligarchy, in the world of big banks, so his one issue is much larger than one issue. It's the whole damn thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a capitalist society that we're talking about here. And if you're talking about the economy in a capitalist society, then it's all going to trickle down. It's all it's all going to start right with the money. It's going to start with the economy, and it's going to spider out. You can tie education into this. You can tie, uh, of course, unions into this. You can tie everything that has those little tiny effects on everyone's lives. Uh, and you can make that the central right. part of your campaign. You can tie race into it of very course. easily. Yeah. Uh, but Hillary Clinton is trying to take these things, but not trying to tie it into the same like 99% argument that Bernie Sanders has because that's his message. Right. Uh, and she's a part of it because she knows she has campaign contributions from these banks. She uh, has done, you know, dozens of speeches with these banks. And it'll be fascinating to hear if those speeches are released, what she actually tells these people in these meetings. You know, we talk about Bohemian Grove, which was mentioned in the emails, by the way. Very, I believe David Gherkin mentioned it. What? Uh, in the emails, yeah. Some, someone's, I think Sid Blumenthal in the email said, oh, I ran into David at Bohemian Grove. Oh, the fraggiest goddamn thing I've ever seen. It's nefarious. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's it's nefarious. As Richard Nixon said. Of course. <laughs> no, everyone understood that was Nixon. You did the jowl thing. <laughs> Poor bastard. He's known for that forever. Oh, man. He wasn't even that jowly. Well, by the end. By you the know. end he was, yeah. Yeah, it got it got pretty, uh, pretty bad yeah. for that uh, for that guy. So when, uh, yeah, but anyway, so, I mean, you know, everything about Hillary is, uh, is the, uh, is the establishment and everything that she represents in the minds of the people is, uh, it's what's wrong with the country. They relied on the black vote in South Carolina. This is, this is her firewall, which they constantly say, basically, uh, this is the one that everyone thought after, after South Carolina, she's going to, dis she'll destroy Bernie in South Carolina. And after South Carolina, it's smooth sailing for Hillary. No. Those numbers are closing up. Hillary is only beating him by 20 points right now, uh, according to the polls. Uh, this uh, Four months ago, she was up by 53 points. So closing that gap, uh, gap at a rapid, rapid rate, 
55% of the Democratic electorate is uh, is black in uh, in South Carolina, 43% white. Right now, she still gets around 70% of the black vote, but uh, Bernie is eroding that on a uh, on a fairly on a fairly high level. If you look at the people who are supporting uh, Hillary Clinton, it's the Black Caucus. Um, and uh, black establishment leaders like uh, former civil rights legend, um, uh, you know, the uh, the bald John Lewis. John Lewis, yeah. And uh, so she has establishment blacks in her corner that ne- that haven't necessarily helped out uh, many of the poor black people in South Carolina. I think the people in South Carolina are sort of sick of the rhetoric because uh, there is a total lack of action behind their words. And uh, they also get upset with every four years they become political pawns and everyone goes and begs for their votes and tells them everything they're going to do. And then, of course, day one in the White House, believe it or not, they have other priorities. Absolutely. So Bernie Sanders is able to erode that black vote. If he can just get 40 percent, he, uh, I mean, he has a real shot in South Carolina. And again, they split the delegates. So it's going to it's going to be a draw at the end of the day, for the most part. Maybe Hillary gets one or two more, but I could also see Bernie um, beating her. I mean, why not? Yeah. At this point, why the hell not? Yeah, everything is possible. Everything's so, on the table with Bernie Sanders. It really is. And it's just it's, it's a bizarre moment uh, in American politics. It is refreshing to see these outsiders coming in, even though, again, Bernie has been the longest independent in the House in uh, in congressional history. But for the most part, he is an uh, he's an outsider in in uh, in, pol- in his uh, political theory. It is it's astonishing to see democracy still work, despite the powers that be desperately trying to stop it from happening. Mm-hmm. With again with the superdelegates, everybody's still saying, you know, Bernie doesn't have a shot. No, I mean they're terrified. Do you know why superdelegates exist? No, I don't actually know the reason. They, uh, uh, what, what Debbie Washerman Schultz actually came out and said this. She said superdelegates exist to prevent grassroots campaigns. Oh, very nice. So to, For so, the Democratic Party. Yes, yeah. to prevent grassroots campaigns in the Democratic Party, which means that she is saying, literally saying that we have superdelegates in place so we don't have to acquiesce to the will of the people. Yeah, exactly. I mean that that's it that is it's it's the most undemocratic thing that I've ever heard and it's bizarre I mean the democratic the way that the democrats uh, choose to get a president it's it's awful and I don't know the republicans have them beat on this one they it's just winner take all for the most part and the person that the republicans tend to elect is somebody that the people wanted for better or for worse hence again the tea party why does ted cruz have a political why does he have political life? It's because people actually are allowed to go and vote their heart and vote their conscience. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, <laughs> they seem to they 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 attach themselves to Ted Cruz and people like him. Yeah. So the Democrats always do a great job of getting their establishment choice through, and the Republicans uh, are now more of a splintered party because the way that they run their elections give more voice to the people who are actually voting one vote. Uh, one person does equal one vote, as opposed as opposed to the Democrat uh, Democrats who don't even keep the popular vote. They don't even keep the numbers in Iowa, for example. We're looking at the delegate grab, but there's no numbers. So then we have coin flips. The whole thing is a damn nightmare. Yeah. I mean, they're deciding these things like uh, like overtime in the Super Bowl. You shouldn't have a coin flip to uh, decide who wins uh, in a uh, in a presidential primary or a presidential caucus. Anyway, so uh, that's what's going on right now with the Democrats and Republicans. South Carolina is going to be fascinating. Watch that state closely because if Trump wins it, oh my God, people. It is for real. Yeah. I've been joking about it for nine months, and I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, now it's my fault. All of it. I get I get messages. It's all your fault. I'm just 
I'm telling it like it is. <laughs> oh my God! So if oh. if Trump if Trump crushes in South Carolina, goodbye, man. I'm uh, just it's gonna, gonna make, be fascinating. I'm just gonna make a super cut of you saying Team Trump. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. No, no. As a matter of, if, yeah, we we should start making this safe in case of a nuclear war, so we can still record during that uh, massive disaster. Watch it and watch it for Bernie Sanders as well. Uh, it is uh, if Bernie comes close in South Carolina. If he beats her in Nevada, my God, that race is going. Tell the convention, and uh, Hillary Clinton is going to be very stressed. Mm. It's going to be stressful. All right, so who killed Scalia? <laughs> that's the next question. Leonard the last Nimoy. question. Leonard Nimoy did it. Yeah, that's what I heard. Really? <laughs> How the hell did that happen? It's what I heard. I mean, I read the headline. I didn't actually read the story. Uh, he used his he used his stun gun, but the, he, he sent it to snooze. They're called he, phasers. Phasers. He said he said to, he said his phaser to snooze, but <laughs> then he over snoozed it. <laughs> Scalia died in his sleep. My belief is Scalia died in his sleep. He had a nice little heart attack. But a bizarre. Uh, I mean, it is a little bit bizarre in a hotel room all alone, wearing a kind of a crumpled up suit, no witnesses whatsoever, pillow over his head. But why would he? Why would? Why would Obama kill him at this point? I, uh, the Republicans have made a massive mistake by first of all, they have just publicly said that they're not going to uh, put uh, allow any of the um, Supreme Court justice appointee that uh, that uh, Barack wants to push through. They they just said they won't have it within they're, hours. Yeah, which is totally stupid and ridiculous. Yeah, it's and in the Constitution. Yeah, the uh, the president gets to appoint a Supreme Court justice. Although Barack Obama did a similar thing with Senator Alito in 2006. He fought that tooth and nail, and they they wanted to wait out W for two years, but obviously that didn't happen. It's actually kind of a good thing if you are a center-left person or a center-right person. I don't think Barack Obama will be able to get through an extremely um, progressive candidate. No. There's no way. Uh, so whoever he appoints, I'm really not that concerned. I, I don't know. Maybe I should be, no. but I don't care. I mean, I, the way that it works to become a Supreme Court justice, the process is a, is a nightmare. And it, it's set up so that you can't have a real, uh, you know, conservative or liberal on there. Well, I think too polarizing. It, I think if the uh, Republicans really follow through with this with this blocking plan that they have to block the Supreme Court nomination for almost a year, I think it's going to hurt them in a. Uh, the general election well, it would just go on forever and ever and I mean a full year of that I mean yeah. it's not happening no and it would hurt them because anytime like it, it, all the re-elections that are coming up for the Senate uh, in you know during the presidential yep. election every person every Democrat that's running can look, point to the Republicans and say look this is what you've had for the last you know eight years this is what do you want gridlock. more obstructionist politics do you want yeah. more gridlock I get in there that's not going to happen I am happy about it solely because if somebody like a Donald Trump does end up winning the presidency of the United States, yeah. which is just so shocking, at least the Supreme Court he won't be able he won't be appointing two people in his first term. I think Ginsburg is definitely gone within the next four years. Yeah. So the next president will be appointing at least one Supreme Court justice. Uh, if Ginsburg is smart, she should just like resign right now. <laughs> um, but at the very least, it's not too terrifying from the uh, from that perspective. Because, um, you know, the next president won't have as much power, which is really the legacy of the president. Barack Obama is going to, at the end of the day, appoint three, which is huge. Yeah, that's gigantic. Yeah. And maybe, you know, with this third one, they'll all start finally using email. No, 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 no. Carrier pigeon <laughs> still. Why not? Wasn't Scalia the one that was so proud of never using They're email? They're all proud of being idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unbelievable. 
I, I just, yeah, it's such a bizarre thing to, to brag about, not being in tune with technology or using an email. Yeah, while still ruling on technological, very important technological uh, legislation. Well, they just make their aides do it. And so their aides just do mundane tasks all day. And yeah, it's ridiculous. They just transcribe notes. That's what the aides do. They transcribe notes into emails. They have a middleman to email, which is why government works in such a slow and clunky process. Just write the email, Scalia. Well, you can't anymore. He's in that sweet, I don't know where he is, heaven or hell, I'm not sure. I don't know. Some people didn't like the guy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was bad to gays. We'll have to get a uh, we'll have to get a uh, a Supreme Court justice. We'll have to get a historian on it. I mean, I can just tell you he was bad to gays. Yeah, he was bad to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, yeah. yeah. All right, so the gays killed him. The gay- <laughs> that's what happened. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, very fun. Uh, go to the uh, Facebook page. It's the Abling and Stop at Facebook page, and uh, you can join that there. There's a bunch of people yelling, uh, yelling at each other. Uh, follow Donald Trump on Twitter. Follow Jeb Bush on Twitter. It's pretty exciting. Bernie on Twitter is also very fun, and Hillary is just—it's just sad. Yeah. Uh, and I wish—I mean, and if you're a Hillary supporter, I—I I have—I am good friends with many Hillary supporters. One. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. <laughs> I'm acquaintances with one. Uh, yeah. With the same one. Yep. Yeah. So we know one. <laughs> she is very sweet and amazing. Heartbroken, I think. Yeah. But who knows what's going to happen? So watch South Carolina. Follow Marcus on Twitter at Marcus Parks. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel. I'm doing Red Eye this Friday at three o'clock in the morning. So that'll be exciting for everyone who's awake. Hmm. Um, all right, I think that's it. And uh, also go and check out my new music show on Mixcloud, Ooh, the, yeah. Lu- the Lucky Bone Show. Uh, just go to mixcloud.com slash Marcus Parks, and uh, I've got three shows up so far. I'm going to be putting out a couple of weeks. So, yeah, check it out. Oh, very cool. And, of course, Roundtable and Last Podcast, you guys know those shows. Keep on supporting everything here on CCR. Um, all right, everyone, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, bye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.